Heavenly Father, I just thank you for another day in your glory, another day that we get to be with you. And God, I, I ask right now that uh, whatever we came in here with, if, you know, the, the struggles of the day, the things that didn't go our way, Lord, that we'd be able to lay them down at your feet. God, we want to hear what you have for us today. So Lord, just soften our hearts, make us open and available to you. And Lord, we say, have your way in us tonight so worthy to be praised. So we just give you our lives in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Now God is greater, all God is to the darkness and into the 
Oh, God. 
skies. Beyond the skies above, love reaching out for us, the everlasting one, Jesus our God. Sing that again. Beyond the skies above, love reaching out for us, the everlasting one, Jesus our God. Oh, we look, oh, we look to the sun, set our eyes on our Savior, see the image of love, sing his praises forever. skies above, love reaching out for us, the everlasting one, Jesus our God, beyond the skies above, love reaching out for us, the everlasting one. Jesus our God, oh, we look to the sun, set our eyes on our Savior, see the image of God, his praises forever, oh, we look to the sun.
the name above every other name Jesus the only one who could ever save worthy of every breath we could ever
never too late it's not too late it's not too late for you and I have a plan for you I have a plan for you it's gonna be
with you It's never too late It's not too late It's not too late For you And you have a plan For me Yes you do You have a plan For me It's gonna be Thank you, Jesus, that our confidence is your faithfulness. And God, I thank you that you have a better plan for our lives than we do for ourselves. And it's going to be wild, and it's going to be great, and it's going to be full of you and the people that you choose to bless us with to walk this life out. And God, I thank you for my friends who are here. I thank you for a break for Thanksgiving, but I thank you that we're all back. I thank you whether it's our first time or a hundredth time, God, that we're here with each other and with you. And God, I just thank you that for anyone in this room that has doubted that you have a good plan for them, I thank you that your truth and your light and your love, that you have a great plan for us. And it's going to be wild and it's going to be great and it's going to be full of you. And that when it's hard and when it's down and we start to doubt the promises that you've spoken over our lives, we're going to say our confidence is in your faithfulness. It's in your goodness. It's in your plan. And you said it's going to be a good plan. And it's going to be a good plan because you're a good father. So I thank you, Father. We thank you right now for all the good things in our life, God. We thank you for your promises and your faithfulness. We thank you for the gift of friends and family. We thank you for the gift of being able to sing out your name and being able to share your truth on the campus of University of Illinois. We thank you for the people sitting next to us and standing to the right of us. We thank you for this amazing worship band. We thank you for the people that come here at 5 o'clock to set up and the, the people that put hours into this family. The people who have been a part of it, who will be a part of it. And most of all, God, we thank you for two radical people who fell in love on this campus close to 50 years ago. <laughs> One promised them they would be a millionaire, and his promises came true. He is a millionaire. Maybe not in earthly money, but man, they are rich beyond measure. And God, I thank you that we wouldn't be here right now in this room, in this space all together if it wasn't for their faithfulness to say yes to your call in their lives. 
you took their lives and you shook them upside down and you became more better than they ever could have imagined. They were in their careers, they were a school teacher and in business and he got his MBA and they're going after and having a good life. But you wanted to make their lives great. You didn't want to keep them at good. So God, I thank you that they're back, that they're here. They've been faithful with each other in their marriage. First with you, second with each other. And God, I thank you that we get to learn from them and you tonight, Father. And I thank you, though, even though many of us in this room are not physically married to someone that, as Austin and Lexi said two weeks ago, all of us are husbands and all of us are wives because we're married to you. We're married to you, Jesus. So have your way, Holy Spirit. And thank you that you are good, that you are faithful, and that you are with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Can we give the worship band a round of applause, please? And well, a couple of months ago, our senior pastor, Happy Lehman, was here, and uh, we just couldn't get enough of him. And, uh, you know, Alive's been going three years, and uh, he didn't speak the last two years, so we thought we'd bring him back again. But uh, we just couldn't bring him back alone. We had to bring his lovely and amazing wife, Di Lehman. Give her a round of applause. And so they are going to share, and... Uh, we're going to have fun tonight, so let's give it up again. Can we stand up and give them honor? Happen and die. Can we give them the round of applause? Let's go, guys. Well, good evening, everybody. I heard them talking about this thing over the holidays. Anytime you get with Todd White, you're going to have a good time. <laughs> Diane, and I know Mike Bickle. He's been in our home. He's been in this town before. So um, he's a good guy. I met Francis Chan. Or Chan, however you, Chan, however you say it. And uh, he's a good guy. I met him in Singapore. So, But we're just thrilled to be here. Ryan, you do a good job. Um, you, you, he's a character around the office, in case you haven't figured him out. And nothing's ever quiet. You can hear him quite a ways away. He's always positive until he gets negative. Then, when, then you have to fish him out of the water. And... and uh, but he's more a cheerleader than a downer, so uh, you're doing a great job. I, of all the people that have ever led our, our uh, high school or our college ministry, obviously, I think you've done by far the best, so yes. keep up yes. the good work. Yes. I understand you have some help sitting beside you and inside of you with the Spirit and all that, but, well, we do want to talk about marriage. Um, I understand that you've talked about more of the short term, the getting ready to get married, but we want to talk about marriage for a lifetime. Uh, we've managed to make it 46 years, and uh, yeah. uh, it did start here on the University of Illinois campus, and she'll tell you something about that. Not, not far from here, actually, because you lived over in Six Pack area. I lived just over here on uh, Gregory and First, but um, it's been an interesting run. It's not what we dreamed of. But it's better, as you said. God did give us a better plan. And um, we, we do want to talk about marriage, though, because marriage is under attack. I think it's the best institution God gave human beings. Now, I'm, when I say best, obviously, being a, in the Lord and Christian and all that stuff has to take preeminence. But 
from an earthly point of view, there's nothing better than having a soulmate that you get to spend your life with. And yet, the world is pretty much saying we don't need to be married. It's not much value. It's just a piece of paper. And I'm thinking, I don't know what they're talking about. Where'd they get that? Because we've built our lives off each other. We've worked together. She's my best friend. I think I'm her best friend most days. And most days. <laughs> uh, men do get in the doghouse from time to time. I can talk to you about that if any of you guys want to know. But um, I do think that your generation probably, with the brokenness that many of you have come from and the media hammering you about the good and the bad, I think you probably have some um, real confusion in here. And I, I, I know that you probably believe in marriage, but just, you just kind of wonder how it works. Is it worth it all? Can it be as good as we seem to say it is tonight? Uh, we, we think it's like a little taste of heaven on earth. And uh, we, we just want to take a little bit of time and talk about that because we, we're two high-intensity people and believe me, there are some sparks in our marriage. And I don't mean romantic sparks. We, we actually clash at times. In fact, on our walk tonight, we walk every night. She said, I don't think we're going to do good because we're arguing. Okay? And so um, you have to be able to get beyond the arguing and see what's really valuable. And so we go with one verse that's absolutely imperative in our lives. And that's 1 Peter 3, 7. And... Um, I'll read the whole verse, but there's a phrase in here I just absolutely want you to memorize. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. I love that phrase, she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. And we have tried to live that. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about the differences. You know, physically, there are some differences uh, strength-wise, but we don't take the weaker to mean she's weaker as a partner. I think he's referring here to uh, males tend to be a little bigger, a little stronger physically, but we, we really do try to live a partnership marriage, and I want her to tell you how we got here. We do give birth. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> well, it's good to be here. Yes, and Rye and the team, you guys do an amazing job. And as, you, as Ryan said, it was almost 50 years ago. Yes, Happy actually came to the U of I in 1966, and I came in 1969. And so we want to tell you a little bit about our story and then share really how the Holy Spirit has taught us to be best friends. Uh, probably the most profound study ever done on marriage, and it was not just a Christian study, although they interviewed Christians. Uh, and he published a book, uh, the psychologist who did this study. He discovered that the number one factor, hands down, that guarantees you a successful, lifelong marriage is friendship. It's friendship, learning to be one another's friends. And yes, of course, we want all the other things that go with that, you know, the passion and, you know, the, the success and the building the family and all, but it's friendship. And so when you learn to be best friends, it 
is a guarantee, really, of a lifelong marriage. Now, as believers, we know there's a lot of other things that go into being able to be a best friend, most notably the presence of the Holy Spirit. But is that, am I getting feedback? Or no, should I not move? <laughs> kind of sounds like it. Okay, so, oh, I think we're good. All right, as Hap pointed out, the, the text here from First Peter says, equal partners in God's gift of new life. Well, yes, that's great, except when we met each other, we wanted nothing to do with God. Uh, we were both running away from God. We were both raised, actually, in very godly homes. He's from Eureka, Illinois. I'm from Peoria, Illinois. And coincidentally, we were raised in the same faith, although that we, we didn't know one another. Uh, we weren't aware. Well, that's another story. You had seen me three years earlier and proclaimed you were going to marry me. But that's a whole other story that we don't have time to tell. <laughs> I think that was lust, not love. But anyway, um, yeah. Any, yeah. So we were not. <laughs> so... But we were raised in very godly homes and, and raised in a faith, though, that is extremely patriarchal. In other words, men dominate. And yet in our homes, both Happy's home and my home, um, only my mother is still living. My father just passed this summer and both Hap's parents are gone. Both of our parents had almost 70 years of marriage, both of them, and they lived a true partnership. So we actually saw that modeled, and I feel incredibly just blessed, as I didn't always, but now I realize what a gift that was that our parents gave to us. Because while the faith they were raised in said, you know, men are in control, men rule the roost, men dominate, in the home they were true partners. And Happy's mom was right there farming right alongside his dad. She was a brilliant mind financially, and she... We discovered after she died, she'd invested all this money, praise the Lord. And so it, they were true partners. Same with my mother. Uh, she raised six children, uh, was right there with my dad in business. They built a home together. So my point is, even though they were part of a faith that was patriarchal, together they were true partners. Well, as great as that was, we wanted nothing to do with that faith. So by the time we got to the University of Illinois, it was all about, you know, taking a walk on the wild side. Hap joined um, Alpha Gamma Rho, and I pledged DGs, and that's how we met, uh, through the Greek system. I was dating another AGR. He was actually dating another DG, and um, <laughs> you know you were. <laughs> I have the fraternity paddle to prove it, not to mention how furious she was when we started dating, but um, we, our first date, was at a, probably a place none of you have ever been or ever heard of, Cam's. And, <laughs> oh, okay, so. <laughs> uh, that was our first date, and uh, we, we that, if that was a taste of what our relationship would actually become, we spent most of the night arguing, and in, in a good way. In other words, we had really good conversation, and, um, Anyway, fast forward a few months, and we fell deeply in love, and he was not on the first date. 
As a matter of fact, there, I mean, there's so many stories here, but this isn't about dating. I turned him down 10 times. I didn't know, well, I did not believe that you should go out on dates on any nights except Friday and Saturday because I actually came to the University of Illinois to study, okay, and to go to class. By the time I bump into him, he's a senior. He hadn't seen a classroom, I don't think, for a year, okay? And, um, no, this is true. And so every time he kept calling to ask me out, It'd be like for a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night or a Thursday night. And I, no, no, no. Well, I found out he only asked the hot girls out on Friday and Saturday. And since he hadn't yet determined where I was on that scale, I got reduced to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thankfully, I turned him down so many times, he finally reneged and took me out on a Friday night. Okay. This is not part of this talk. We actually need to get to the really good part of this talk. <laughs> okay. God is such a redeemer, isn't he? <laughs> okay, so anyway, um, we fall deeply in love. Uh, and uh, he graduates and is going now to get his MBA and finishing my undergrad in special education and elementary ed. And as Rye said, when Hat proposed, he said, I will be a millionaire by age 30. And I'm telling you, this guy is brilliant. He got his mother's financial mind, and he is brilliant financially. And he, he ran like three or four businesses on the campus of the University of Illinois. Like, he owned Pepsi machines. He owned a laundry business. He had all these businesses. I was like, I was working in the slop kitchen right here at the six-pack. Uh, you know, that means when people emptied their trays, I mean, it was a little different back then. Uh, the cafeteria was much worse than it is now. <laughs> but I, I, because I had no money, zero money, and I meet him, this guy's loaded. Um, and so he promised, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't my only motive for marrying him, but uh, we did promise one another we had no interest in ever becoming a Christian. And so, like, you need to have these talks before. You know, when you're dating, you got to find out what do you value. Well, we found out we were never going to become Christians. We were never going to live on a farm. He's from a farm, but both of us are city people. And just in case we reneged on number one, we would never, ever, ever be pastors or serve in the ministry. Both of our fathers are lay pastors, and so that's why that got put on the list. Rule number one, never say never to God, right? I mean, God is so awesome in pursuing us, which, you know, he's so gracious. He always gives us a choice, though. We can say no to his plans. And, he, you know, he's very gentle often about the way that he presents them to us. And so it, it, it takes practice to, to know how to say yes to God. Well, anyway, we marry as pagans. And... Um, <laughs> One month into our marriage, I meet Jesus. You see, I'd known religion, and I didn't want religion. And I'd known church the way I was raised, and I didn't want that. But when I met Jesus, these were my words, I want to know you. And I've not stopped saying that since 1971. And I don't think I'll ever know him to the depth uh, that he can be known, because in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Well, when I go to tell Hap, 
He's like, what? You want to do what? <laughs> you know? And, but he loved me so much, didn't you? I know. And, you know, you're newlyweds. I mean, you're spending most of your time when you're not in class, you know, <laughs> in the bedroom. So it's like, you know, um, well, you are. Yeah. Playing checkers, yes, right. <laughs> anyway, and he he did some soul searching. I didn't. Uh, I learned actually a really important lesson at that time. I'd never heard the voice of God, and I didn't know this was the voice of God till later on when I learned what the voice of God sounds like. But I had a deep sense: don't nag, just pray. And uh, that's what I did. And by January 1972, that was just like six months later, he told me, no, I, I, want, I want to know Jesus too. We were both water baptized in May of 1972 together. So we are on our way. We're, he is, oh man, he is a genius in his financial planning business. Um, I, I finished my uh, undergrad. Um, I'm going on now. I'm teaching school in Urbana, working on my master's here at U of I. And life is good. And we go to church and, you know, we're, we're now we're Christians. What do you know? Except we encounter about three years into this, three and a half years, a crisis, which if you've ever visited the church, which many of you have, you know our story. We were medically declared infertile. And I have a lot of medical problems, have had some medical problems. We did all the procedures, spent lots of money, surgery, drugs here at Carl. And then we went up to Northwestern Memorial Hospital in Evanston, which was a top, and still is, top hospital in the nation. And uh, through all that, got very desperate for God. Uh, there was no hope for uh, us medically. But... Hap had a, an amazing encounter uh, in his office with a man who asked if he had, was aware that God's still doing miracles. And that was our first introduction to a supernatural God. Well, our God didn't do anything. Yeah, that's what he did long ago, but he still didn't, he didn't do it today. So to discover that that was true led us into an amazing encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit that turned our life upside down, opened up our eyes to God is a healing God. He does do miracles. And we were so excited. We couldn't wait to tell everybody and, and to pray for healing, which is a whole other story. But that whole process is actually what ended up launching the church because we start, people started coming to our home because we couldn't wait to tell people. Did you know Jesus still heals? Do you know that he does miracles? Do you know you can actually pray and God answers your prayer? This was in the late 70s. We didn't realize it, but we were being swept up into the charismatic movement. And it was very, very exciting. And um, learned lots of very difficult lessons, but through a long 15 months of, of telling everybody how awesome God was and that he heals and that he's going to heal us and give us a baby, 15 months later, we do discover I'm three months pregnant with our first child, and the roof comes off. And we realize, basically, our life has taken a turn that we never planned, but that God's plan was so much better. As we just kept saying yes to him and watching what he was doing and, you know, uh, went on to have our first son and then a total of four sons and one daughter, and... Um, 
the church launched ended up having lots of babies. Again, whole other story in itself, except a marriage navigating all of those twists and turns, we learned a lot, didn't we? And yeah, this is our family now, um, actually minus two, because since then we've added two more grandchildren. And so all of our children are married. Uh, they're all married um, to beautiful, beautiful, spirit-filled Christians. And we have 16 awesome grandchildren. And uh, I want you to know God's plan is so much better than yours. You just keep saying yes to him. Keep trusting him. And keep staying faithful you know, in the relationship that God has given you. Because there would not be 16 grandchildren if it weren't for God's grace in our life of living out this partnership that he has given us. And so we want to talk a little bit about what that looks like. I'll start and then I'll turn it over to Hap. Um, just picking back up on that text, and you can throw the text back up there. Uh, we truly have lived what this scripture says, that husbands give honor to your wives. And um, Hap has done an amazing job of honoring me and I hope I have of him too, because second to friendship in a marriage is respect. And they all contribute to love, but love gets so twisted, you know, with all the definitions of what that means. But honoring one another just for who God made him and he honoring me for who God made me. And, you know, I can't change him. He can't change me. Now, I know he's prayed quite a few prayers to Jesus about things that he wants changed in me, and I know I've prayed quite a few prayers to Jesus, things I want changed in him. Somehow Jesus isn't really great at answering any of those prayers, but nevertheless, it's best to pray about this rather than uh, uh, go on your own extreme makeover uh, attempts. And uh, we, I love, um, I, I love the, the last part of this, First of all, you need understanding. He, he's done an awesome job of understanding. And guys, I know women really can be difficult to understand. And we really wish you could. <laughs> What's he doing? I wish I had a mirror. Yeah, so, I mean, we really wish you could read our minds. But you can't. And I have to counsel a lot of women who say, you know, I just want him to plan like a really romantic evening or I want him to initiate, you know, the, the, the nice dinner. I want him. I go, nah, you'll wait forever. Just tell him, man, I'd really like a romantic getaway. He'll be on it immediately. It, I mean, you've done a really good job with that, right? I mean, we did have a huge snafu one time. And just when... when you know, the church was starting, and there were conferences we wanted to go to. The, the Holy Spirit was just moving so powerfully. This is when we first became part of the vineyard in the early 80s. And so we kept going to conferences, like, all over the place. And we always, in the vineyard way, we always want to drag people with us. You never go alone. You know, like this thing, this one thing that you're all going to go to in Kansas City? I mean, you're going to want to go as a herd, right? And that's so exciting. So we always drug people, except nobody ever had any money. And so Hap would always say, oh, come and stay in our room. Like, you know, you usually get a couple of beds in a hotel room, and people can go on the floor and all that. Well, I'd had it, having our hotel room filled with all kinds of people. I mean, really. And so I said to him, 
you know, the next conference, honey, if it's just you and me in that hotel room and you don't invite anybody else to go with us, I'll make it worth your while. <laughs> We've never had another person in our room since then. No, true. I mean, <laughs> anyway. But the last part of that, treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. And a huge part of the durability, sustainability of our marriage has been prayer. And we pray together every morning. And it's not a pretty prayer. It's not complicated. But it's a simple, you know, early in the morning, quarter to six, six o'clock, over the cup of coffee, grabbing hands. And we've seen thousands of prayers answered, not just for ourselves, but for all the people that we pastor and love and, and beyond. And so this partnership that Peter talks about, it's the real deal. And it's not just so that your life is, is rich and full. It's so your prayers get answered. I mean, who doesn't want God on your side, right? And so we're going to talk to you now a little bit about just what is God's will in regards to marriage? Because believe it or not, there is some confusion. And then we're going to discuss the whole model that uh, we've used to uh, build our marriage on. So go. All right. Well, I have to make sure I counter all of her comments. So that you think well of me and not just of her. You know, I get me chasing her around the room and stuff like that. You know, I don't want to leave the wrong impression. But... Um, Marriage, God's will for marriage is pretty clear in the Bible, but I do think it's gotten clouded over, so I just want to touch it briefly. Um, you know, God's goal is that marriages last a lifetime. Now, if you've got moms and dads that are divorced, you know, don't go home and start hammering on them. What happened has happened, okay? And I always try to say, well, let's work from here forward. Let's don't spend a lot of time dissecting what happened in the past. It probably won't do you much good. Not much will change. But um, if you go back to Genesis 1, and 28, it says, God created people in his own image. God patterned them after himself, male and female. He created them. God blessed them. He said, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Be masters of the uh, fish, birds, and animals. So uh, male and female, and he created us both to be masters. He didn't say, man, you go master it and then master your wife in addition no, we work together, and that's a really important concept, uh, especially going to be important in these day and age. I, I've never seen our culture change so quickly as this whole uh, the women issue that's uh, women being abused right now, and it's come to the forefront. That's going to have a huge change on American issues, and uh, fortunately, I think our marriage style is going to really fit well, even better into the future than it's fit in the past. It's worked well in the past. but um, So anyway, you know, if you were to follow Genesis on, it talks about, explains why a man leaves his father and mother, they're joined. Jesus actually repeats that statement uh, when he comes into the New Covenant, in the, into the New Testament. And so what I think what we're, we're doing here is that God is saying, look, I have a great plan for you, but then we know sin came into the world, and it just created all kinds of disaster. Genesis 3, 16 and 17 talks about a curse of childhood. Uh, you will bear women with pain and suffering, he said to the woman. Your desire will be for your husband. He'll be your master. 
You see the, how the thing's already skewed here? And so a lot of men have used this, I'm the boss of the house, and you listen to me. Or they hit them or hit women or force them to do uh, things they shouldn't. He goes to Adam and said, I placed a curse on the ground, and uh, all your life you'll struggle to scratch a living out of it. And, of course, we know that um, men have basically seen work as a curse. God gave us work as something to be creative, co-create, have a good time with. Both of these uh, curses, by the way, get redeemed in the new covenant. Uh, that's a longer story than we have time for tonight, but you don't have to live under either of those curses anymore. God has a wonderful plan, and um, his will is total love, joy, honor, respect, and a lifelong partnership. So why don't you tell us what we learned about that, because that was really critical uh, in our journey. Right. So I don't know a lot of your backgrounds, um, but there is a teaching in the church, at least in America, it's pretty widespread, about what marriage is supposed to be. And, and you know, of course, they use Bible texts. I mean, that's always the issue, right? People can proof text almost anything. But it, you know, is, in my opinion, an extremely damaging uh, view of marriage, a, a picture of the way marriage is supposed to operate. And so I'm going to lead you through an experience that we had that like freed us from that paradigm of marriage. Although we, by again, God's grace, never embraced um, a like, half's going to be my master. Because that is part of the curse. That is part of the curse. And so it really disrupts marriages when things operate that way, just as it does if I try to be his master. So anyway, in um, the early 90s, a friend invited me to a um, little seminar over at um, Free Methodist Church over on Mattis. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever, something on, on marriage. And uh, I got there, and this, the speaker stood up, and she was this teeny, tiny little lady. She looked like she was about 70. She had gray hair. She was thin, very, very demure. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, here we go. You know, she's going to talk about the man being the head and, you know, the woman submitting. This is going to be another doormat speech. And so I, I wasn't at all, like, intrigued. <laughs> but the minute she opened her mouth, the presence of God fell in the room. And I was like, whoa, like, okay. Well, um, I discovered her name, uh, and I share her name, I think she's dead now, was Jessie Yardy. She was married to actually a very well-known physician here in town, uh, Dr. Yardy. He worked over on campus for many years at uh, McKinley. They had six children. And um, she, she was an incredible, incredible woman as she said, you know, I'm going to tell you how God designed marriage. And she then had the proof because she had the fruit in her own life of six godly, healthy children who had, uh, were married and grandchildren. And uh, at that point, I think she'd been married 40-some years to her husband. I mean, it's like, okay, I want to know the secret here. Um, I mean, we already knew we were committed for life, and that's huge. You know, if, if divorce is never an option, then you have a commitment to work things out no matter what. Now, obviously, if there's abuse or alcoholism or addiction, you know, I'm not, uh, that's different. But 
when we know that divorce isn't an option, you know, you, you work it out. Well, anyway, she, I wanted to know what did she have to say. And so she says, well, first of all, I want you to know this is the absolute wrong paradigm for marriage. And you can put up that umbrella picture there. Oh, that's the wrong one. Uh, do you have one with the umbrella? Yeah. Okay. Well, this is what I've been taught. This is what's taught in many churches. And they establish it with using text out of context from Ephesians 5 and 1 Corinthians 12, which we, we won't have time to take apart. But this is what they say. In a Christian marriage, here's Jesus Christ. Then here's the husband. And the husband is this giant umbrella. You know, he's the spiritual head. He's the spiritual leader. He covers. Maybe you've even heard that language. He's a covering for his wife and his kids. And, you know, it sounds like, oh, yes, that sounds so protective and, you know, so much provision. And except it's not biblical at all. And it actually results in it really results in a lot of damage in relationships. Uh, women are often oppressed in this relationship and, and put down. And interestingly, I find people who embrace this paradigm, the women become very manipulative, very manipulative, trying to get their way. All the while going, I submit to my husband. Oh, my husband's my spiritual head. The man, meanwhile, many men are like, I don't want the responsibility for, like, being the head of my wife spiritually. Like, that's a heavy duty. Now, of course, provide and protect. That's, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that with the next paradigm. And so she went into a long discussion. She so had my attention because this is the very same picture that had been put up at a marriage seminar that both Hap and I had attended previously and had been told, this is the way your home is supposed to be ordered. And so then she puts up another paradigm, and I'll let Hap come and talk about this one, that has actually uh, established for us the healthiest of all marriages and something we've been able to pass on to all of our children. Okay, this one, uh, I need to move over here a little bit so I can kind of see it. Th this one is in a totally different approach. Jesus Christ is the head of our marriage. And then uh, the way that center box is supposed to be, if you'll notice, the husband is, starts on this side and goes two-thirds of the way over and has a dotted line, and he, he has square edges. And notice then the woman starts on the right side and has the rounded edges. See how, they, how the two overlap? See how we're showing that? And so uh, we both submit to Christ, and then we both submit to each other. We, we work back and forth. But we're both connected directly to him. Okay? That's very important. If any of you, by the way, want this, we'll, uh, Ryan, uh, we'll email it to you, and you can email it on. I see some of you taking pictures, and that's fine. But if you actually want a copy of it. And so the husband would have gifts, uh, personality gifts, passion. He's a helper, submits to his wife. Uh, and you see over here on this other side, uh, the same thing, submits back and forth. And then there's oneness, partnership, honor, respect, responsibility, commitment, having children together. And so uh, authority flows uh, back and forth, and, and communication flows back and forth. Uh, the children, um, that's another side, we won't get into it, but uh, we have more, we're, we're more responsible directly over our younger kids, and that's to show you by the time they're in high school and junior high, 
we're trying to say they're starting to develop a relationship with the Lord. Now, just a couple of things here. This, notice the husband and wife are the same size in our picture. We didn't put one above the other. Notice that they're on the same level. So I'm not above her. Uh, she's not above me. That's rarely taught that the wife would be above the husband. But, but I, I've seen it taught. We, the, we have different shape. Uh, we're, we're shaped differently. And that's why we rounded the edges on the woman and left them square. There are clearly differences in Di and I. Uh, we'll describe some of them as we go along. Uh, I'm a financial thinker. She's a feeler kids person. We'll describe how that worked. And so we would tend to lean to our strengths when we had issues. And then, of course, there's the overlapping area of oneness. And uh, we, we just think this model gives us uh, an ability to live out. First Peter 3, we're equal partners. And I don't feel I'm responsible for her. She's not responsible for me, but all three of us. In fact, what I really love, I was talking to somebody the other day. I was, I'm getting ready to marry a couple on December 30th. And I said, you know, you really need a third party in this marriage, and that always scares people. And uh, I said, it has to be the Lord. And that's really what that is, is the Lord, the wife, the husband, and you just got a little triangle going back and forth. So uh, you want to talk how we practically live this out? Yeah, I guess, uh, obviously, in just the few minutes that we have, I mean, when we really teach this, we take a long time and we take it apart. The primary difference, Jesus Christ is the head of our household. Happy is not the head. I am not the head. Jesus is the head. We are both 100% submitted to Jesus Christ. We are both 100% submitted to one another. Mutual submission, one to another. And uh, the, the beautiful, beautiful part of this is when you model this and you live this for your children, they learn to submit 100% to Jesus Christ. They learn to hear his voice. They learn to take responsibility versus mom and dad saying, obviously when they're younger you do this, but as you go into the teen years, you know, they, they learn to take responsibility for their own actions, their spiritual life. So when all of our kids left for college, you know, not that they didn't do, you know, bad things, which they all did at some point, but their conscience was honed to hear from God. And so that's a whole other subject. But um, this whole partnership, then, as we, wherever Hap has the gifting, it, where his personality shines, he's, he's a great decision maker, he's a financial whiz, he's very good, uh, you know, organizationally, I totally submit to that. And I really love when he comes and he sees I'm like, fussing about, I have nothing to wear, I, all my clothes from last season, they look horrible. He goes, here, you get out right now, you know, go wherever you need to go, go online, go out, buy whatever you want, honey. I go, okay, I submit. <laughs> it's really not hard to submit to someone who loves you, who's for you. And, I mean, and again, are there arguments? Absolutely. You know, are there conflicts? Absolutely. But the one question people often ask us is, well, when you have this kind of model, like, don't you need somebody to finally make the decision? Like, you know, when you can't agree, like, doesn't the husband just have to say, I'm the head of this house? I, have to, I go, no. We wait 
prayerfully. We wait, we, we, we pray, we, we talk it over, we, we wait until we are one. It might mean he gives in to me, it might mean I give in to what he thinks, or it might mean we come up with a compromise. 46 years, it works, it works. And now, obviously, when you have the Holy Spirit, it makes a whole lot of difference, <laughs> you know, because he's the one working in us and speaking to us and revealing things to us. Yeah, but go ahead, go ahead, honey. Greg, I would do, she, she'll ahead. say that she wants to help me on finances, but I'll come to her and she'll pretty much say, oh, I don't know anything about that. But she <laughs> wants to be informed on a big decision. But on the kids, when we came to issues, you you were a school teacher. You tended to take the lead on making the decisions. And I figured, well, she's smarter than I am on that. I'm always looking for smarter people to help me make decisions. <laughs> Whether you're buying a car, insurance policy, a home, whatever you're doing, yeah. I'm always looking for the smartest person I can find. She's about the smartest one I could find. Then there are kids, so I thought, well, you make the decision. I'll back mm -hmm. you up. Yeah. And we almost always immediately back the other one up. And... I don't ever remember not backing the other one up. No. And, and this, because we work together in the church and we co-lead, that can, you know, cause a lot of conflict and be on totally different pages because our giftings are so different. We're, we're like very opposite in our giftings. Again, it's really taught us how to love one another, how to honor how God has made each one of us. And, you know, because at the Vineyard, you would know, we embrace a relational view of Christianity. Uh, that's by superior to just a doctrinal view, although we have doctrines. But uh, relational means the highest priority is loving God and loving one another. And it's not like always being right. And also, we have, you know, a very father, child, you know, God loves us, we're in a relationship with him. Well, that's a lot different from a boss who says, do this, don't do that. You're in trouble for that. And again, when you have a relational paradigm where you're honoring one another, submitting to one another, then it just makes for a much healthier relationship. So um, Let's see what else, hon. We have to hurry I'll just, here. I'll just, um, I'll wrap up with a couple Yeah, of just give, tell um, a couple ways that we... Several yeah. secrets to our marriage. We do walk every day, one hour a day, rain, snow, cold, hot, doesn't matter. We walk. We, if it's cold, we dress warm, and yeah. we go out. Uh, if it's raining, we, we don't go out on a torrent, but we wait till it's at least not more than a drizzle. But we, we still walk. We walk, we talk, we pray, we talk over each other, about each other, talk about the kids, talk about the church. We spend a few minutes almost every morning praying together. Uh, Mike Campion, who comes to the church, he's a well-known psychologist, said he studies say, I'm not sure if this is one of those made-up statistics or not, but it sounds good. He said he doesn't know any couple that's ever prayed out loud that's gotten a divorce with each other. Mm -hmm. So um, those of you that are thinking about getting married or are married, pray out loud. It doesn't have to be fancy. You said it's not a fancy it's not prayer. Fancy. The other thing... I view my life as, my whole life, I, I sometimes view die as like a little garden plot. And if I want to get a lot of things out of the garden. I'm just a little yeah, garden plot. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good story. Hang on. If, if I'll take care of her, I'll water it, I'll keep the weeds out, keep the pests out, 
I'll make her life good. I know that women, how many of your grandmothers have something called a cornucopia with gourds coming out of it? It's a <laughs> funny looking wicker thing that's little at the end and it gets big. Women are, women are like that. This is getting worse. No, 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 no. Listen, no, they love, women love to bless the ones they love. That's what you're built for. But it takes, if a guys are smart, they like prime the pump in a sense. They bless and they honor and they encourage. I didn't want to be a speaker until I heard her speak one time years ago. I said, you're called to preach. <laughs> then the Lord told me my next job was to make her have a national level platform. And it's well known. We get invitations to come and speak and I'll say we both can't come and they always want her and not me. <laughs> That's okay because I know what God called me to do was make her a national level speaker. Wow. So it's not about who, how famous we become. It's how do we bless the person we're with. And it, it makes a big difference. And so my job then is to lay my life down so she can run on it. If I do that, she'll turn around and bless me so much that I'll just think I, I'm living in heaven right now. You got yeah, it? Yeah, that's true. I mean, that, that text I referred to in Ephesians 5, people often use that where it says, wives, submit to your husbands. And then they use that to say, well, you know, it's all whatever he wants. You know, if he says jump, jump. You know, if he says sit, sit. And, you know, that same text also says, and husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church, laying down his life. I call that submission. And so it's a beautiful picture, again, of mutual submission. And you, you've always liked the his needs, her needs. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting book at church. It was written by a Christian psychologist. Uh, it's not a Christian book, per se, but he surveyed 20 couples and he said, when you get married, you actually, your, your spouse assumes five things. and Men assume five different things, and women assume five different things. Uh, naturally, men assume they're going to get sex. Women assume they're going to get a companion who will talk to them. Well, I've given that book to people, and their marriage will be struggling. They'll come back and say, I'm not doing any of the five things my wife expects. Well, no wonder you're in trouble. Because that's what she thought she got when she married you. And then if I were to give the book to a woman who said, I'm not doing it, I expected five things from her. Number, he orders them, and you don't have to agree with the order. No, his, everyone's different. His first was sex, and his second was a recreational companion. Mm -hmm. She learned to love football because I like football. Before her kids played football, you, would, you know, used to fall asleep all the time on football. And then she started listening and paying attention. Amen. And, uh, and so it, it's an interesting book, His Needs, Her Needs by, uh, uh, I don't know the author, but anyway, it's a good yeah, book. Yeah. So um, do you want to go to questions? Yeah, maybe we should because our time's getting short. Yeah, there's a lot more we could say, obviously. But the main thing we wanted to get across was uh, partnership and uh, the fact that Jesus is the head of our household. And we want to encourage, that's the most important thing is you look for a life partner that you both value Jesus Christ as the head of your life and your household. Yeah, yeah. And, and don't marry anybody that doesn't love the Lord more than you. Yeah. And girls, don't listen to guys that say they love the Lord and they'll show up at church with you. And if they're not doing it now, they won't do it later. 
So just get smart. Well, going into our going into our first question, go over there. All right. You putting them up here? Uh, no, I have them on my phone. Okay. Um, actually, this is an off script, but hap- I meet so many people, you know, guys and girls. Well, they kind of believe in Jesus. They, their parents do. We grew up in church, but me dating them, I'll help them believe in Jesus. I can save them. I know I've fallen into that trap. What do you guys say to that? Uh-huh. Is that? We had well, two, two kids took their proje- uh, prospective spouses to Alpha. And What's, um, alpha? What's alpha? Oh, Alpha is a great little 10-week class, six to eight, 10 weeks, depend, ten. 10 weeks now on questions about Jesus. It, it's a great evangelistic tool. If you've never taken Alpha, you ought to take Alpha, uh, especially if you're not firmly committed as a believer. And yeah. Well, that's actually a really good question. So our one son who went to the University of Illinois, Jay, started dating Katie. Katie was a very committed Catholic, which was good, but she didn't really know Jesus personally. So Jay battled with this. Like, he tried to rationalize. Well, this will be okay. This will be okay, except he knew it really wouldn't be okay because they weren't on the same page. So she, he brought her to Alpha, and he told God he was going to pray for her for 100 days. Wow. And so he, as he prayed, and then if she did not personally surrender to Jesus after 100 days, then he was cutting off the relationship. So brought her to Alpha at the, at the vineyard, and she went through all the courses, but on the le- no, she did not make the move. And every day he would, on his wall in his apartment, you know, he put the mark on praying. The last night of Alpha, it was over, and they went back to his apartment, and they were just talking, and, and all of a sudden she just got down on her knees, and she said, I really do. I want to know Jesus, too. I want to give my life to him. And so he prayed with her, and that was the night she received Jesus, and then uh, left, went back to her apartment, and he went to put the mark on the wall, day 100. Yeah, and now they've been married 10 years with three kids. But she eventually uh, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, they're on, they are both 100% 100% submitted to Jesus Christ. So uh, I think it can work, right? My, I've also seen people use, you know, I saw it with my own sister. You know, she, she dated a man who said, yes, you know, I'm a believer, and she married him. Yeah, I, two months later, stopped going to church with her. 22 years later, walked out on her. But um, I see it a lot. Well, kind of leading, I, you know, me with students all the time and even by myself have always wondered this question, like, how do I know she's the right one? How do I know he's the right one? You know, and and I know you and Hap got married when you really weren't walking with the Lord, but from being married 46 years, what advice would you give? Because I think there's a lot of single people in here that hope to be married. What What advice would you give? How do you know when he or she is the right one? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This is a real important one for Christians. (laughs) In in addition to obviously both loving Jesus, there absolutely has to be chemistry. Okay. And I see some Christians overlook that because, well, he he feels... um,
fulfills my list of 10 things that I told God I wanted in a guy, except there's no passion. There's no chemistry. So there has to be chemistry. Now, there can be chemistry with a lot of people. So, but that, that really is important. And it has to be, you know, in, enduring. Like you're, you're, and I don't mean just sexual chemistry, but you're just, you want to be together. You, you enjoy one another's company. You have good conversations. Um, but, and obviously, um, you know, all of our kids, when they brought their potential spouse home, they had to pass the brother-sister test, you know, stuff like that. But Yeah, I just, I just a little more simple. I just say, was she cute enough? Is she smart enough? Is she good look, you know, is, does she look like she'd make a good partner for me? And I didn't have any Christian help back in those days, but I ended up pretty well. And, uh, I mean, you got a little garden. Yeah. <laughs> And the other thing I think, the other thing I think, it, that that's, you shouldn't make fun of me like that. <laughs> I, I do think, at Wheaton, one of our sons went to Wheaton College, and they had a little deal that if you won the game, you're married above your head. You always want to marry somebody better than you think you deserve. You know, you, you want to win the game. Yeah. This is more theological. But do you believe, do you guys believe that there is one exact person for you that God has an ordained will, that you really don't have a choice in it? Or there's also this other camp of, no, it's totally your choice. God's not involved in it. I think there's people that, we wonder that, right? They ask that all the time. What would you say to that? Well, I, I don't, I think it, I lean more to the, it's more your choice. Uh, I think you're in trouble if you're looking for one girl or one guy out of seven billion people, you have a real difficult problem. Uh, on the other hand, I think God will, God will give you, God will give you hints, helps, who's around you, who does he put in front of you. You know, when I saw die three years before I married her, and I called her, you know, <laughs> but I then forgot about her for three years, but then when I saw her, it reignited. And <laughs> well, the Ryan, that's like a, a, a bigger question just about how we relate to God. And we believe God has given us so much freedom, freedom to choose. And that honors him, that we're not waiting to hear, should I eat Cheerios or Raisin Bran? You know, should I wear a red shirt or a blue shirt? It's like, are you kidding me? No, we make thousands of decisions. And on the important ones, of course, he wants us to be talking to him about it. But it's never like, is this the one God? Is that the one God? It's just, he, he's not that weird, okay? No, he's not. Like, it's, it's very just, it's very relational. It's very, like, he's given us things that... Uh, where we're attracted to certain things and certain people and other things we're not. And so, yeah. But, but if your parent or a friend or somebody that knows you well says, I'm not sure you fit, pay attention to that. Yeah. That might be a warning sign. See, so God will help you. He gives you lots of choice, but he, he really does want you to end up with somebody who loves the Lord. I've seen men and women who had calls into major ministries 
walk away from the ministry by marrying somebody who had no heart for God. Uh, I don't know if you can miss who you're supposed to marry, but it seems like it. So, so that seems to lean that you have to find that one person, but I don't believe that either. So I'm just not much help. <laughs> At least he's honest. <laughs> well, I think for what I admire about both of you guys, and I think out of this talk tonight and just seeing your guys' relationship is that you guys are best friends. And you love Jesus, you're best friends. You, you, I know, you know, out of anyone else, you want to hang out with her. I think most times she wants to hang out with you, but between you and Julie, right? <laughs> so, but I, I know I admire that about you guys, and you guys live that. So, um, how do you, just a couple more, um, how do you guys handle conflict um, or disagreements? Uh, maybe you hash it out over your walks. But, and, and also, how do you do it in front of people? Maybe how do you do it when your kids were growing up or maybe now even in front of church staff when you're leading church meetings? And Do you have any advice for anyone in a relationship or even just anyone who's friends? Or, you know, how do you handle conflict with each other? You're better at that than me. You know, I like to avoid conflict. <laughs> um, this is an art. It is. Conflict is an art. And it really does in my opinion, take the presence of the Lord to do it well. But the most important thing is that you truly honor the other person. You just, by listening, maybe, again, not agreeing, but you're listening, you're honoring that person versus reacting, you know, responding. You're, you're, you're listening and, and able to have a conversation about it. Now, we, you know, we'll have arguments, we'll have fights, but the one thing, in 46 years of marriage, we have never gone to bed angry. And the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, do not let the sun go down upon your anger. Why? You know, just so, because it's not a good idea? No, because it gives the devil a foothold. The devil hates marriage. He hates faithfulness in marriage. He hates strong marriages. And so we will never give the devil that kind of foothold in our marriage by going to bed angry. Now, does that mean everything's resolved? No. What it might mean is you crawl into bed. We've never slept apart except if we're traveling or one is very ill. So nobody ever sleeps on the couch or any of that. That's, again, because we're not going to bed angry. I'll start out over on this side of the bed. He's over on this side of the bed. I'm mad. He usually it's still me because he forgets. It's like, huh? What are you mad about? It's like, I'm not going to be unmad that fast. Okay. So, but then I know before I can fall asleep, my toe has to reach over and tap his. And then he'll tap me back. And then we know we're not angry. Because when we get up in the morning, the first thing we're going to do is pray. And so, you know, more conversation might have to be had, and it is had, and forgiveness and asking for the Lord's help. So that's between the two of us. Raising our children, you know, we were always honest and open around them, but we would not disagree in front of them concerning discipline of them. Okay, so they couldn't play mom against dad. I mean, he is the really bad cop, and I was the really good cop. But every family needs a good cop and a bad cop, just to use that, that language in that 
Somebody has to just toe the line because somebody else is always going to give in. And so we worked it out behind the scenes. And it wasn't always pretty or easy, but it worked. Yeah. And guys, just learn to say you're sorry real quick. Say, I just blew that one. Okay, will you forgive me? And then I really do forget about it in 10 minutes. <laughs> you and God. It's just wonderful. You get rid of it, and then by morning, I can't remember why you were mad at me. <laughs> but I can tell if she's mad at me because she won't pray. So she'll still be a little irritated. That has to work out the little pieces, and then we'll get that straightened out. But that hasn't happened in a long time. We've just... It might tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say it, it meant you, you pulled a lot of all-nighters. You just stayed up all night. Can't go to bed angry. Um, what would you say um, to a, a couple dating or anyone who's married um, when you have a different value system? So, you know, for example, you both love Jesus, but maybe one of you is called to Africa and one of you doesn't think God's at Africa or your uh, best friends are in a fight and one of you side with the, the husband the other with the wife and there's like a split and you're, you literally have different values or different opinions or you even think God is telling you different things. How do you, how do you handle that? Well, first of all, if it's something your family's going to do, he's got to tell both of you. Mike Bickle actually told us this. He said, uh, everybody's always trying to hear this little tiny voice of God. God can shout. You know, and if, if he wants you to do something, I've had him shout at me before. And it's like, oh, yeah, I hear that. So, like, we agreed... I think I came to you and told you we were supposed to start a church in 1977. But I said, um, I'm not starting anything until you tell me that God came and told you to. And same thing uh, when we met the vineyard. Yeah. You, you knew pretty quickly that God said, we are to become a vineyard. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, that is going to so disrupt everything. Yeah. So you're like, okay, let's just wait. And... So, like, if one wants to be a missionary and the other doesn't, and you live here in Illinois, you're going to stay in Illinois until they're both here. I don't care how much that one person thinks they're supposed to be a missionary because God's big enough to talk to that other person. Um, and so even though it sounds spiritual, I want to go be a missionary or I want to adopt a kid. It's kind of trendy right now to adopt uh, kids. <laughs> and it's like, no, you husband and wife both better be in agreement. There's sadly adopted kids around the church that have one parent because it started out with two, but they didn't really agree, and now the little kid is being raised by a single mom or dad, and that isn't what the intention was. The intention was to bless the kid, and now we've put them back in a tough way. Uh, pastoring a large church and having a large family, did you, was there ever a situation with a church member or someone on staff or even one of your own kids where maybe one of you really felt strongly about one end and that God is saying this, God wants them to go to this college or date this person or this person should be fired and no, this person should stay. Like how do you, when you have those different values in that or different strong opinions and you're so strong this way and Hap might be so strong this way, how do you compromise and stay on each other's side? 
I can give you two illustrations, but there's a lot of illustrations, <laughs> and you might think of more. So one of our sons took a real walk on the wild side, and he was, it was bad. And, and he repeatedly broke curfew, and anyway, and, and Happet said, you do it one more time, buddy, you're kicked out. So there was a whole, whole, whole bunch of other stuff that preceded this. Okay, so he comes home one night at 1 in the morning, so it was way past curfew. And Hap said, you're out of here. And I'm like, no, no, look, it's raining. No, it's raining. <laughs> and he's like, no, I, I said he's out of here. I gave him the warning, he's out. And, and immediately, as hard as it was, I said to him, I submit 100% to that. I, I, I do. And I pretty much spent the entire night awake, praying in the spirit. Um, I and fell asleep. I know you fell right asleep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. What was the other one? Um, he and that son eventually came back to, to the Lord, and he's a great dad of four kids now. Um, okay, the other one, a lot of you know um, Julie, our daughter, because she's a pastor at the church. So um, whenever any of our kids dated someone that, like, we really didn't like, we still treated that person very kindly. They were always welcome at our dinner table. We actually took them on family vacations. We, we included them. But in private, we said, Holy Spirit, break them up. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so Julie's dating this guy. None of us like him. None of us. And he's very controlling. And, and um, she's in college now. And the family says, we want you to go to another continent with us over Christmas for two weeks. So it's, she's out of the country. And Hap is like, absolutely not. She is not going. And... I said, no, I think she needs to go. He's like, no, she is not going with him. I go, no, I think she needs to go. I think God's going to show her something when she spends two whole weeks with him. And so like, you finally agreed. So, I mean, again, like he felt like I had heard from God and that he, as much as he didn't want it, we, we agreed and we weren't mad at each other. And um, sure enough, it was that trip. It took a month after she came home where... She went, wow, were my eyes ever opened? And so. But one of the things I do is I, I often have opinions of radical moves, but I listen to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll say, we need to do A, B, and C. And I've had staff tell me, that's just a stupid idea. I think, oh, that must be a stupid idea. Let's go get another idea. Mm -hmm. Ideas are never a problem for me. Yeah. I have a new idea every 30 seconds. And <laughs> so, so die if if Hap had an exhausting. <laughs> die if Hap had an idea that maybe necessarily you didn't fully agree with. I think I hear what you're saying is you would support him yes. because you believe in him, Absolutely. and then trust and pray that God would steer him back. If yes. 
Oh, yeah. You're saying stick together, compromise, oh, yeah. be there for each other. I mean, we other. talk about it. And, yeah. and men, I know, no, I think you have heard from God. I'm scared. I, I don't like it, but yeah. I'm going to support you. You, just, you don't yeah. let anything divide mm-hmm. and wedge. No. Yeah. An interesting thing for a young person, the, our church has a board of, of men and women that oversee things, and they weren't concerned when we let Julie have lots of authority because they said I would control her. I don't have any bigger pushback than Julie in the whole church. She's tougher to get past than die. <laughs> you know, and she'll say, that isn't, that isn't how we're doing things. I'll say, well, that's how I want to do it. No, we're not doing it that way. Okay, well, I'll come up with a new idea. And, <laughs> and so uh, you all are blessed to have, like, Mike and Julie, Putty. Um, and, yeah, and that... But those three in this, those Thanks, three in this campus are going to be like the three key leaders that really push it ahead. But they're going to need these guys and little Austin who does the junior high and um, Brandon. You know, wow, what we got three really good leaders coming up in that whole area. So, um, two more questions, and then we're gonna we're gonna close out. Um, how do you have a healthy marriage without carrying the baggage of past mistakes that you've made or the baggage of past family mistakes? Let's just say adultery or divorce runs through your family. How do you not carry that into your new marriage or, or your, your marriage with your spouse? Yeah, it's stunning. In both of our family lineage, there's not a single divorce. There's not, to our knowledge, any direct descendants involved in extramarital uh, affairs. It's just... It is stunning to have a history like that. So sometimes when people talk about all the issues, like our parents weren't alcoholic, we deal with lots of people who had alcoholic parents or... Well, a lot of abuse. Uh, yeah, yeah, and just... But there are, well, there, there's other things. Yeah, we, we have other there's things past, to do. There's patterns. And again, this is where we're all so blessed, aren't we? Because we know the power of the Holy Spirit. We know what true redemption is. We know how to pray for one another. We know how to, through his power, forgive. We know how to have the curses of our bloodlines broken. So I don't know how people do it that don't have, you know, that. Uh, But we have been relatively free of huge family issues. But we've prayed with hundreds of people. We really don't, in our own lives... Even where we've messed up, we don't dwell on it very much. Yeah, so we just go on and, yeah. okay, Lord, you're going to have to fix it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to ask, I know you guys got married when you weren't Christians, and you guys talked about you've dated, had other dating relationships. Was it hard not to bring those hurts or those uh, mistakes, maybe, with those p- previous people into your relationship with each other? Well, probably not for me, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think once, I mean, once we met Jesus, a lot of, a a lot of that was just gone. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I know that's not always automatic for people, but for us, it, it wasn't, it wasn't even an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, last question. Um, Just basically, what advice would you want to give a bunch of college students that all hope to be married one day? Um, what would you want us to take away with to remember tonight as uh, we go to sleep? 
I would say stay in groups like this, stay involved and connected. This is where you're going to meet people like-minded who love Jesus like you do. And so, plus dating relationships within groups like this and are, are so much safer, I think, you know, because you're accountable to each other, you're sharing with one another, you care about each other. So uh, that's one of the things I would say. Yeah, and I, I don't know how many of you know our son Jay, but when he started football here, he was a, he had the worst. He had football players cutting his hair. He didn't wash his hair. He had rats in his hair. He was a mess. I didn't think any girl would ever pay attention to him. <laughs> and little by little, this the girl who became his wife was working over in the football department and saw something in him which shocked us. I didn't even see anything that. <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden, he didn't show any interest in girls, and all of a sudden, one day, she got through his armor, and he starts mentioning her name. And I, I say that because it happened so serendipitously. You think I have to work really hard to find the right one. Um, the people are all, in a group like this, people are always looking. You start to notice chemistry developing. Take it to the next step, you know. Go out and have, have a, you know, an evening together or something. Just take it naturally and watch what happens. And if you don't get any positive feedback, I always figured there was somebody else out there waiting for me, so I just go look in the other place. Well, and don't be too yeah. super. Don't be too super <laughs> spiritual about it. Yeah. Just be natural. Relate. Uh, have fun together. We we always emphasize like ride bikes together, hike together, play games, play volleyball, play kickball, whatever. Just have a lot of fun together. And, and when you know that you're one of God's favorite people, why wouldn't some young lady or young guy want to hang out with you? I mean, just you're a special catch. And when you go at it like that, it's like, well, okay, I'll I'll give you a chance, you know, and you just. Let's see what happens. And really, you're you're kind of right. Don't get too serious. Have some fun, and don't be so intense. I hear people say that people want to get too serious. Young Christians want to get too serious too quick. I hear that. I don't know. I'm I'm not talking about anybody specific. But I just hear that that people say, "Well, I'm afraid if I go out twice, they'll think I want to marry them." You know, something like that. So. Well, thank you so much, guys. I know we went super late. Let's give them the round of applause. You got to get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Do you wanna? Do you have something else? We we're gonna kind of end differently tonight. We normally bring the band back up, but do you guys? I'll just put say this. Um, let me say one thing real quick. I'm super excited about this. We actually are starting next semester. We're starting new small groups, and God's put it on my heart to actually start a couple small group. For anyone who is in a dating relationship, we actually want to provide a small group where you have people that you can talk to, that you can meet with, that you can have accountability with. Sorry for all the single people. Don't worry, I've been single for a long time. But I know, I think what they said, we, I know for MJ and I, we've needed people we could go to, to talk to, to get prayer for and say, hey, here's areas we're struggling in. And I've been talking with a lot of you through this relationship series mm -hmm. who are in relationships, but you don't have that accountability group. You don't have that support group um, to be there for you. So we're super excited about that and, and to kind of implement things we've learned from you guys. So um, is there couple, any? I got yeah, a few words. Yeah. Do you want to end? There you go. Okay. Do your thing. Um, okay. I'm going to do these real quick. The guy at the, 
Oh, I want to give a few prophetic words right now. I don't, do you guys know what those are as a group? Yeah. You know, one, one of the gifts of the Spirit where you encourage and bless. Hey, young lady, don't leave. <laughs> Called out. Yeah, you're in the third row. You're in the third row, and you're the third person sitting there. Uh, and I, I felt third three is always the number of the Trinity, and, you know, they have uh, fellowship and friendship, and they work with each other. I felt the Lord said, you have a pastoral side. You love people. People love you, and you're going to have lots of friends. And someday, uh, that pastoral aspect, you might even blossom into you being a full-time pastor. Let's go. All right. All right. She's going to come so to you, you for a go. job. <laughs> you, you, you can go. This guy with the stocking cap, you, you were nice to me when you came in here tonight. What's your name? Peter? Vitor. V huh? Vitor. Vitor, okay. Um, when I met you, you just, you just exploded with grace and goodness, and you're just bubbling over. I felt the Lord said that um, you, you have an evangelistic spirit on you, and the Lord wants you to just just start telling everybody. It'd be hard to say no to you. Okay, so just be bold, be courageous, and go for it. All right? Um, amen. Um, then uh, Jake, the footballer. There you are. Um, uh, first of all, I chuckle every time I'm running because you're kind of a teddy bear on the inside. You, know, you got that big outside, but there's, there's kind of a nice soft side. But the Lord said to you, you're in a stepping stone, a perfect training ground for a big future. Uh, the Lord loves you. He, he watches what you do. And that you're, you, I know you haven't, things haven't worked out quite like one of you and I talk from time to time. But the Lord says uh, the things that really count are working out. Okay? And then um, Janet, I talked to you. Yeah, here. Um, uh, I know you told me you're in pre-med. The Lord says you have a pure heart, and Jesus wants to give you a gift of healing, um, and gift of healing and miracles, actual gift out of 1 Corinthians 12, to go with, I know you want to be a physician. He's, he told me to tell you this, as you pursue the great physician, you will be a great physician. All right? But uh, I think that whole thing of, one time, our son, both of our younger sons had football injuries, and the Colts, Indianapolis Colts doctor, did their surgeries in Indianapolis. And this guy's world-famous foot doctor, and he said, I've prayed over every surgery I've ever done, and only three people have ever turned me down. And he was 55. Mm -hmm. So just ask God how to mix prayer and faith with, with all that you're doing. Uh, Mark. Um, there's a new level of leadership on you. I noticed tonight uh, you were leading among the people, and um, that's, that's real important because uh, God is promoting you at this season of your life. Amen. To, um, I, whatever level you were, you're at least at double that level, and uh, you're not done being promoted. But, uh, see, God always takes little things and moves them up to bigger things. And... If you don't do little things well, you won't do big things well. And so many people want to start with big things. Always be willing to start with little things. And I've noticed, even before tonight, I saw you do little things around the main campus. But tonight, I saw you owning this. And so that, that's a whole new level. Uh, I have another word here for Austin. 
Is he still here? He, went, he, he went to get the car. Why don't you he, he to record it? Record it. Um, so, you know, Austin, you, you wonder where, you're, where you fit. Your dad is a, a well-known lawyer. Your brother's a great musician. Um, you uh, once thought football would be something in your life, but God said, I have something better for you. Keep pressing in, pursue me, and I will give you the dream that's in your heart. So, all right. Hap, I'm going to put you on the spot um, just because our boy Aaron came all the way over here from class. He's up there because you asked him to come. So I know God gave you something for him. So do you want to tell him? Yeah. I know. I, I met you, Aaron, a year or so ago at church. And then I've been tracking you in basketball. And wow, what a game last night. I was, I was proud of you. Yeah, let's but, give him a round of applause. Uh, Aaron, you're living proof of what I just said about doing little things well. I also read you're at the gym, the first guy in the morning, and um, they, the word is you're a gym rat. I, I check up on you. Uh, you're a gym rat. But you see, a vision, a goal, and then put energy into it, and it's paying off. You know, I saw you were leading the nation the other day in three-point shooting accuracy. Uh, baskets wobble during a game. I don't know if you know that. It starts moving on the guy who's trying to shoot. You have to practice long enough to get to stop moving. And uh, I'm just really proud of you. Keep your faith up and keep being a strong light and a witness. And thanks for coming tonight. All right. Well, hey, guys, can we stand up real quick? We're going to end different tonight. Um, we're just going to have Happen Die close us out in prayer. Uh, we do kind of got to clean up a little faster than normal. They're probably going to hang out for a couple more minutes if you want to talk to them or get prayer. I'm sure they'll be out there. There's snacks and stuff. So you guys just want to pray over us? And sure. End? So Father, in Jesus' name, I just want to thank you for these young men and women. What a precious deposit you've given us. Lord, I pray that the faith of each one not fail, but prosper. That uh, the attacks of the enemy would fall off of them like uh, broken arrows and that they would move ahead in your favor, your grace, and your righteousness to the full purposes you have for their life. Lord, you've given us each an assignment. Help them to do it. Now, specifically in regard to we spoke on marriage, so whatever you have for them in marriage, Lord, make it simple for them. Help them to understand who and where they're headed, uh, who they are, where they're headed, and who they're to head with. Give them great blessing and favor as they step out. Mm -hmm. I just feel like we're supposed to release just an impartation. So, Father, what you have worked in our lives through your grace and faithfulness, uh, we know it's not what we could have done, Lord. Staying faithful to one another, learning to love one another, sticking with it through thick and thin. And most of all, just staying submitted to you, Jesus. We just want to release that to every man and woman in here as they prepare for marriage. And Holy Spirit, just penetrate their hearts with that, that blessing of a long and fruitful and healthy, loving, Christ-like marriage in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Give them a round of applause one more time. We will see you back here next week for our last is alive two weeks from now Christmas party at the church. And please sign up for the One Thing Conference. Early bird pricing ends Friday. We want you guys to come with us. It's going to be awesome. God bless you guys. Jingle